Well, hello again. Thanks, DJ. I am uh, glad you are all here. Uh, we've been uh, spending the summer um, walking through the book of Proverbs. Uh, book of Proverbs was uh, written by a few different people, but largely uh, written by a man named Solomon. And Solomon was known uh, as the wisest man uh, on the planet. Uh, not the baddest man on the planet, that would be Fedor, uh, but he is the wisest man uh, on the planet. Uh, and we've been talking about how do you live uh, wisely? How can your life be marked by wisdom? Uh, over the past few weeks, last week we talked about parenting. Uh, the week before that we talked about marriage. The week before that we talked about what does it really look like uh, to be a wise man or a wise woman, meaning what's it look like to be a godly man and a godly woman? Uh, this morning, uh, we're talking about words, and I've actually been probably most nervous, uh, uh, so to speak, about uh, this message because uh, Proverbs has so much to say uh, about communication and so much to say about words, the words we use and when we use them and how we use them. Uh, and I'm 38 years old now, and I can say a better part of my uh, life, I have not used words well. Uh, and one of the things we'll talk about is when words are not used well, uh, typically, uh, generally, uh, people can get really hurt. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to guess that uh, many of us here have been hurt uh, by someone else's ill-spoken word uh, or words uh, to us. Um, I don't know if, Dr., if uh, Mr. Rogers came up with this uh, or who actually came up with this uh, very not helpful proverb, uh, but it goes like this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Anyone remember that? Well, I don't know if it comes from Mr. Rogers, but uh, we'll just give him credit because he's no longer alive to defend himself. So <laughs> sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, I think we get taught that when we're little kids, uh, because when you're a little kid, and first, second, third, and then you hit middle school, words start flying around. And it's not like anyone's ever actually walking around with a stick or a stone throwing it at people uh, or trying to bang you, so to speak. But if you really consider, is that actually true? And I think most of us, all of us, would probably agree, uh, I'd rather get hit with a stone or hit with a stick than hit with someone's word, uh, meaning someone said something or spoke something about me to me uh, that was just really, really painful. And one of the things that Proverbs teaches, actually throughout uh, its, its letter, Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So our words, our tongue, things that come out of our mouth uh, can either be uh, life-giving or death-dealing. Uh, meaning I could really use my speech, my words, what I say to really just build someone up, to really bless someone. I would hope that at some point in your life, you walked away from a conversation with someone and you were just like, wow, I just felt so encouraged. I felt so loved. I felt so built up. I felt challenged. Uh, and likewise, the tongue has a power to do that. You can speak to someone and literally bring them life. <laughs> I'm not talking about creating children here. We'll have that conversation later. Um, I'm talking about really taking someone uh, 
who is just devastated, down, or depressed, and one rightly spoken word uh, could set their soul ablaze. It could really lift their spirit. Likewise, if the tongue has the power to bring life, as Solomon says, the tongue also has the power to bring death. In one word, in one sentence, in one phrase, you can crush somebody. You can say something about their character. You can say something about their mom. You can say something that really would just devastate them. And it's a good chance that we've done both. Have you ever said something, and as soon as the words came out of your mouth, and maybe it wasn't just the words, maybe it was the tone, maybe it was just how you said it, but as soon as you let that word, that phrase, that sentence fly, you're listening to yourself talk, and you're like, gosh, why did I say that? Or why did I say it like that? And this is the hard thing with words, and I really want you to catch this today. Once it's out there, there's no takebacks. Once you speak it, you can't say, oh, no, 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 I, I didn't mean that. I mean, how much of our conversations we talk, and we're like, no, 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 I didn't mean that. Well, that's what you said. Well, I meant it like this. And then you just dig yourself into a hole that's even deeper. Oh, so that's what you meant. And the pain just gets worse and worse and worse. The tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs uh, 11, or Proverbs chapter 12, uh, answers the question of why do words have such a profound impact on us? What is it about someone saying something to me that just hurts so much if it's a wrong spoken word? Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's very poetic language there of a reckless word. It pierces someone. It goes deep down within who they are. I mean, a word just can't bounce off your skin. What words do is it gets into your heart gets into your mind, gets into who you are. Uh, Proverbs 26, 22 describes it like this. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost parts. It's pretty profound what the power of words, and it's pretty incredible of how deep our words can cut or how deep our words can pierce that I can say something or you can say something to me and it would just go down to the depths of my soul. That happens, right? Ever anyone ever say something to you and you just think about it and you think about it and you dwell on it and you continue just to internalize this and you replay the conversation over and over and again and again of they said this and gosh, why did they say that? And the more you ponder the word, it gets deeper and deeper embedded into you. Gosh, do they really believe that of me? Is that true of me? So I know I'm belaboring this point here a little bit, but I want you to know that you can speak a word to someone and it can literally bring them life. It can bless and build up, or you can look at someone and you can say something, you can look them in the eyes, and you can speak a word that would just devastate them, crush them. In about 12, 13 years of doing pastoral ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've met people whose lives have been wrecked because someone spoke a word to them when they were five, when they were 10, when they were 15, a parent with a reckless word to their kid, uh, maybe a teacher said something to you. Um, I remember uh, this was freshman year of um, high school, and uh, I had some pretty 
pretty good sized learning disabilities growing up. And uh, I wanted to take uh, a crack at taking a foreign language. I'd never done it before. And so I thought Spanish would be a good way to go. And about two weeks into Spanish, it was a mess. And I remember uh, Mr. Denigian. That was his name, a uh, Spanish guy. And uh, two weeks into the class, I remember specifically struggling. I had a hard enough time even speaking and reading English, nonetheless trying to figure out a different language. And he looked at me in front of the entire class and just said, what, are you stupid? And he said it just in a casual, joking way where the class laughed and, and I laughed just because I was clearly feeling stupid. I'm 38 years old. That must have been when I was uh, at least 13 or 14. I remember that. That stuck. I remember that teacher who, who spoke that word. <clears throat> Coaches, if you've been an athlete, maybe a coach said something to you. If you've been in the church long enough, maybe a pastor said something to you that just wrecked, that hurt. I've just seen too many people who have been debilitated, even paralyzed, because of a word that was spoken to them. No one hit them with a stick, no one threw a rock at them, but someone pierced them, their heart and soul, with a very reckless words. It's both and. We deal out uh, meaning we are the ones who often speak words that crush, uh, and we're oftentimes at the receiving end uh, as well. Uh, this morning, um, we're going to walk through a lot of Scripture. I don't know if you have a pen and a paper, uh, but my heart this morning was to communicate to you what Proverbs says uh, about words, uh, the words of a wise man and the words of a fool. Um, but one of the things that Scripture actually teaches Old Testament and New Testament uh, is that if you've got a problem with your mouth, it's not really a problem with your mouth. It's a problem with your heart. So if you want to know what the condition of your heart is, uh, you just have to listen to yourself speak a few sentences. It's, it's never a problem of words and your mouth, so to speak. There's something going on within you, within your heart, that your mouth gives voice to what's going on in your heart. I think one of the most chilling passages in the New Testament is something that Jesus said to a bunch of pastors and religious leaders. And Jesus did not mince words. He called these guys out, and uh, specifically in this passage, he says in Matthew 12, 36, he says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. That, I get goose pimples if I think about that. Every careless word I will have to give an account to, Michael Davis, why did you say that? Did you see the impact, the devastation, the hurt, the pain that it caused that person? And because you spoke whatever it may have been, that impacted them in such a profound way that they began missing what I had for them. I tell you, men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. And then Jesus, uh, a few verses later, um, actually earlier in this passage, bless you, bless you, um, he says, uh, you brood of vipers, okay? He's calling the pastor's religious leaders a bunch of poisonous snakes, that when they speak, they're spewing poison. That's what it means to call someone a viper, and a viper is the most deadly poisonous snake. You brood of vipers, how can you, who are evil... This is Jesus, okay? 
Anyone who has this image of Jesus as this flower child walking around in a white robe with you know, uh, his hair braided back. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus was saying, it's just not possible for you to speak good because your heart is so corrupted with sin, with evil. And when you speak, you're like a viper. When you bite, it, it infects. Your poison is getting into other people, and this is the power of words. When you say it, when you let that word fly, it doesn't just stick to a person, it gets into a person. And as poison from a snake travels throughout a person's body and eventually would kill them, that's what the power of words can do. But, I've already said this, I'll say it again, it's not a problem with your mouth, it's an issue going on in your heart. So if you have an angry heart, it's going to show up. When you hear someone who is just ticked off, annoyed, frustrated, yelling, screaming, and anyone and everything, cussing up a storm, it's not a mouth problem. They've got anger in their heart. And maybe their anger actually stems from someone spoke something to them, a parent, a coach, a teacher, a pastor, whatever it might be. If you're a person who's just got bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart, it will show up in your speech. So it doesn't really matter whether it's worry or anxiety or fears or pick your, pick your poison. Whatever is in your heart, it will eventually show up in your language, in your speech. Solomon says this about the heart. Proverbs 16, verse 23. A wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. What a great picture that my heart can guide my speech. I'm not just letting anything and everything that comes into my mind, I just say it and I speak it. No, my heart is guiding the words that are flowing from my heart out my mouth. Proverbs 12, verse 23. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of a fool blurts out folly. I talk a lot, and I don't mean just on a Sunday morning. I talk a lot, and so when I read a verse like that, Am I just blurting out the folly that's living within my heart? Am I just saying anything and everything that comes to mind? And I love this one, Proverbs 26, uh, verse 23. Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. This is the, this is the man or the woman, when you listen to them, it's like, gosh, it sounds pretty good. It's actually kind of convincing. It just, it sounds and it looks, it's packaged really nice. But as soon as you start to unwrap it, oh, that's what's in that package. This guy's heart is just bent on sin or bent on evil, bent on destruction, bent on hurting, and he's using his words just to glaze over. It's like makeup. He's, he's got the makeup on. He, he looks really good in speech. But you take it off, just rub it off a little bit, and his true colors will show. Proverbs 26 goes on and says, A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Verse 25, Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven uh, abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Assembly just meaning community. 
When people are gathering, he's going to get found out. It might sound good initially, but in time, and it won't take long, his malicious intent of heart will, will show itself. Proverbs teaches you will, your words not only communicate what's going on in your heart, but what I'm going to focus on here uh, is Proverbs speaks to you can look at your words and you can determine if someone has wisdom or if someone is a fool. You just have to listen to what they say. And you can say that person is playing the part of a fool. And remember how we described how Proverbs defines a fool is a man or a woman who utterly rejects God. And they live as if God doesn't exist. And so it's the fool who's placed himself at the center of his life and acts and proceeds, decides, moves, chooses what's best for him, when it's best for him, and just acts as if there is no God. But the wise person is able to implement, implement what he knows into the choices and decisions uh, in how he lives. So I'm going to walk through very quickly. Um, I decided actually not to define every single category because I think we actually know what they mean. So here's a, a picture of what a fool looks like in speech. Number one, he's a liar. He or she is just spewing out lies. So if you're a person who lies, and by the way, when we're talking about lying, exaggeration, that's lying. There's no such thing as like half-truths or white lies or red lies or blue lies. Lying is lying. It's either true or it's not true. And I, I forgot to say this, but uh, we're, I'm focusing on verbal words, okay? Emails count. Text messages count. Facebook status updates counts. Twitter counts. If you actually, I don't know if anyone ever writes letters anymore, but if you write a letter, that counts. Those are all words. It might not be verbal, but your heart is expressing itself, whether in written form or in verbal form. I'm focusing mostly on verbal, but I just want you to know, you can't send someone an email, a text, an update, whatever it might be, and be like, well, that doesn't count. That's not words. It is. So number one, words of a foolish man is lies. Proverbs 12.22 says this, the Lord detests, that's pretty strong language, for God to say, I detest this. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Why does God detest lying lips? Meaning lips that just spew out lies. And please, when you think about lying, don't think about like the big ones as if your small ones don't count. When your boss asks you, hey, did you get to work on time today because he wasn't there and you were supposed to be there at 9 o'clock and you showed up at 9.05 and you say, yeah, I was here. Oh, you just lied. You're a liar. Well, that's not a big deal. It's just work. It's, who cares? It's five minutes. It's a lie. Like, I, I feel like we have to really hit hard on this is a lie is a lie. There's no if, and, or but, but about it. So why does God detest lips that lie. And I think actually Jesus helps us answer this question is because when we're lying, we look nothing. We don't look like our heavenly father. We actually look like one who scripture defines as the father of lies. Because when I'm lying, when I'm exaggerating, when I'm telling half truths or little lies or medium-sized lies, I look nothing like my father in heaven. I am not representing him at all. Actually, who I'm representing is who Scripture says is the father 
of lies. Do you know who that is? He's an angel who wanted to be God, but then fell. And his name was Lucifer, angel of light, or Satan. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking. He says in John chapter 8, again, Jesus, hardest on the pastor's religious leaders. Can you imagine if this is you and Jesus is looking at you saying this? You belong to your father, the devil. What? Like I'm the religious guy. What are you calling me, a son of the devil? You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, can I just stop there when it says there is no truth in him? When we talk about spiritual attack and you just feel like you're getting hit with all these different voices, anytime there is a voice of the enemy, there is absolutely nothing true about what he would say. Bless you. Nothing that he would ever say or speak would there be any truth in it. What he can do is take a truth and distort it, twist it, manipulate it. There's no truth in him. So not holding to the truth for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So go back to the question, why does God, why does the Lord detest lying lips? Because I look nothing like him, I actually look like the enemy the father of lies. So the first aspect of foolish words is the one who lies. Why do you lie? When I say you, I'm speaking to all of us, myself included. Why do we lie? I mean, if you were to raise your hand and say, not me, I don't lie, you're lying. All of us are in the same boat. I think when we think we don't lie, it's because we've demoted certain things as to just half-truths or little lies that don't count. It all counts. And what I wrote down of, of this question is, why do we lie? I wrote it like this. We want to appear before others in a certain way. And the truth does not always match up with how we want to appear, so the lie helps us achieve the perception we want to project. I want to look in front of you a certain way. I want to look either godly or spiritual or a good, good godly man, a good godly husband, whatever it might be. I want you to appear, I want to appear like that to you. But I know the truth of who I am. And so what you will do is fabricate or create a lie to help accomplish or achieve the appearance that you want everyone else to project. That's why we lie. I'm not trying to get psychological on you. I'm just giving you an answer. Why do we lie? I just, I want to look in front of your eyes a certain way. And since I really am not that guy, I'll tell a story to make myself look like that guy. Three truths about lies, lying, and liars. Number one, it won't last. If you're lying, it won't last. Meaning what's lied about today, it won't hold tomorrow. Have you ever gotten yourself in so deep, you've told a story, and it's gone on for weeks or months or years? And it's getting to the point where I don't even know where the story started, and you have to keep fabricating more and more lies just to keep it going. This is what Solomon says, Proverbs 12, 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Your lie, it's going to catch up to you. You will get found out. You will get discovered. 
That's the first truth about lies. It won't last. The second truth about lies is there will be a consequence for the lies that you're speaking. Proverbs 9, 19.5, a false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will not go free. I like that picture of freedom. What you think you're lying to create an environment where you can just move about freely and do what you want is actually you're putting a big old shackle on your ankle where you can't move. You're tied yourself to that lie. Proverbs 19, verse 9 says this, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will perish. There are consequences for our lies. Thirdly, so it won't last, there's B consequences. And the last one of truth about lying, it's it's really destructive. Like if you're looking to destroy a relationship, just start lying. If you want to have a marriage that just won't make it, just start lying to your husband, start lying to your wife. If you're looking to kill a friendship, just start lying. The second, obviously I'm being tongue-in-cheek, the second you start lying about anything or everything, brokenness will now enter into that relationship because you just planted a seed of, if you lie to me here on something as small and as insignificant as that, what else would you lie to me about? It is a terrible thing in marriage. Okay, and I know not everyone's here, not everyone here is married, but it is such a horrific thing in marriage when lies enter into what's supposed to be such a sacred relationship, a sacred friendship between a husband and a wife. Because you plant a seed with a lie. If you lie to me there, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. It won't last. There will be consequences. And the lie, it is so painful, so destructive, and it just breaks friendships. It breaks relationships. It breaks churches. If you want to kill a community, start introducing lies all over the place. Proverbs 25, 18. Again, very strong language. Like a club, like a bat, or a sword, or a sharp arrow is the man who gives false testimony against his neighbor. Like the person who's just beaten someone with a bat, like the person who has got a sword and he's jabbing and stabbing someone, like a person who's literally just taking a bow and arrow and just shooting and it just pierces them. That's what happens when you lie. We kill, we crush. That's what lies do. All right, if you're lying, that's a mark, a sign of being a foolish man or a foolish woman. Number two, I'm going to pick up the pace here, gossip. And it's funny, I started with lying first because everything under all of these now has a root in lies. So number two is gossip or slash rumors. Have you ever been at the brunt of someone's gossip? Man, it's, it's just no fun. When people are talking about you behind your back and saying, you said this and you did that and you look like that and you didn't do that. And you're like, gosh, I feel so misrepresented because I never said that, I never did that and someone is maliciously spreading rumors or gossip about you. And by the way, there's no such thing as good gossip or good, good rumors. Gossip is intended to dename, defame the person who's at the subject of the gossip. It's not like anyone ever says, hey, I want to say something about this person, and I really want to promote them. 
so people will be really, really excited about them. If you're a person who is a gossip, then no, that's a sign or a mark of your folly. Proverbs 26, 22, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. I've already read this. They go down to a man's inmost parts. And I want you to know, especially in our context as such a young community, gossip could kill us. It could divide a community, could divide a church because of gossip. Not only spreading gossip, but you know what's just as worse as spreading gossip? You want to take a guess? Listening to it. Proverbs 17, a wicked man listens to evil lips, and a liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. If you are in a conversation and someone is just trashing someone else or spreading a lie or starting a rumor, have the courage to tell them graciously to be quiet. And if you don't have the courage to at least tell them to stop lying, to stop gossiping, to stop being malicious and maligning someone's character, have the courage at least to walk away from that conversation. That kills a gossip. You can't gossip unless there's someone to listen to. You ever thought, thought about that? Gossip would stop if there was no one there to listen to it. If that person who was the source of the gossip just kept going around and no one would listen, there would be nothing to say. Lies, gossip, the third aspect of uh, foolish words, uh, and this one I've gotten myself in trouble on too many times, is joking. You ever say something to someone and you saw oh man, I just, I saw that what I said really hurt them. And so your only course of recovery is, I was totally kidding. I was totally kidding. I didn't mean that. I see that you're crying. I see now that you're going to have hundreds of hours of counseling. I didn't really mean that. I was just kidding. We use joking to communicate truth. And when we see the truth was said or spoken in a way that was actually painful and hurtful, you can say something to someone that's true but if you lack the wisdom to know when to say it and how to say it and how to communicate it, a truth can be used to curse or to crush. Proverbs 26, a great verse to memorize. Like a madman shooting firebrands or deadly arrows is a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. The picture is of a, just a whack job with arrows and a bow and some gasoline and he lights his arrows, and he just closes his eyes, and he's just shooting arrows all over the place. I don't really care where it hits. I'm just having fun. This is great. I got fire. I got gasoline. I got a blindfold on. What a great weekend. That's the man who is just shooting his mouth off, and when he sees it connects, and when he sees it hurts, he says, oh, no, 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 no. I was just kidding. I was just messing. If a lot of your sentences are punctuated with that phrase, no, 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 I was just kidding. I was just joking, seriously, seriously. That's a sign of foolishness or folly. I remember in college, I uh, went to a movie one night, uh, me and my two best friends at the time, Eric and Justin, uh, and there was this guy, a friend of ours from the church, um, and at the end of the evening, we were walking out of the movie and we had spent a good dinner and all that kind of stuff together, and uh, he said, guys, I really, I need to 
ask you something. And we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. You guys joke around with each other all the time. And you're always cutting one another. If someone heard the way that you talked to each other, the way you slammed one another, and you used it under the banner of, I'm just kidding, but you just totally slammed the person, no one would have any clue that you actually loved God. If they were just to listen to your speech, they'd have no clue that you were actually considered yourself a Christian. And the look on myself and my two other friends was just this white, blank stare of, we just got busted. Why? Because we thought we were funny, just cracking it up. Now, I'm not suggesting you cannot have fun and you cannot tell jokes, but if the joke is at someone else's expense, you're the fool, not them. Number four. So we've got lies, we've got gossip, we've got joking. Number four, bragging and boasting. Similar things, but Proverbs makes pretty clear. If you're the bragger or the boaster, at your heart is foolishness or folly. It's safe to say, if I just ask the question, do you ever be around some, have you ever been around someone and they just can't stop talking? And it's not just stop talking, it's they can't stop talking about themselves. And you're just listening to them like, wow, are they, do they have any filter? Do, are they listening to the last six hours has been all about them, what they're doing, what they're going to do, how they're going to do it? This is what Proverbs says about the bragger or boaster. Proverbs 27, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Isn't that a great, what are you bragging about tomorrow? Because you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. What are you talking about? I'm not saying it's, it's bad to plan and to be disciplined, but the bragger who boasts about these great things that he or she will do in years to come, you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And when that happens tomorrow, your plans would be radically altered or changed. Verse 2 goes on. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else's and not your own lips. So Solomon is saying, you know what? If someone's going to praise you, that's fine, but don't let it be the guy in the mirror. This is the person who looks in the, in the mirror every day. Wow, you're awesome. I love you. You're so good looking. You are so funny. You are so athletic. You are just God's gift to humanity. Go out there and kill him today. I know we don't really do that and say that, but how often are we thinking of it? And if that's what's in our heart, guess what? It will come out your mouth. Might not sound exactly like that, but if that's what's in your heart, it will come out. If that's you, if you're the bragger and the boaster, and you're like, wow, I, I don't want to be the bragger or boaster, what's your course of action? I would tell you this. If you're the bragging, boasting type, ask questions. In conversation, err on the side of asking people questions and do a good enough job of listening so that you can actually ask follow-up questions. You don't ask a question and then they're sitting right here and then you're just thinking, I wonder when they're going to be done talking so I can start talking about myself again. And they just keep blabbing and blabbing and blabbing. If you want to grow in not being the fool who boasts and brags, be the wise one who is good at asking questions. And it's not trying to manipulate people or steer the conversation away from yourself all the time. It's, I want to know about you. Wow, that's what you're learning. I can learn from you. 
Lying, gossip, joking, bragging, boasting. Uh, Number five, there's two more. Flattery or manipulation. When people use flattery, when they say really, really nice things about you, that is the mark of folly. Proverbs 29.5. Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Meaning his words are going to trap him, not that person. I think this is a really hard one because at the heart of manipulation, at the heart of using words to flatter someone, is the person who stopped caring about that individual. They no longer see them as human. They no longer see them as the same man or woman who was created in the same image that you are. They see them only as an object that I can use you, manipulate you, I'll use flattery, to get you to do for me what I want you to do. And when you've done that, I'll move on to them. And when they've stopped meeting my needs, I'll go on to the next person. This is the heart of someone who flatters. I'm not saying it's good. It's, use your words to compliment and to encourage. But if you're always complimenting and encouraging, say, appearance and accomplishments, I would say maybe behind that is a lot of flattery, potential manipulation. When you compliment and encourage someone, go for their character. Man, I've been really just blessed and encouraged by your humility. Really? I've been really just blessed and encouraged about your purity, whatever it might be. Rather than telling people how beautiful they are, press into complimenting or encouraging their character because you're humbling yourself saying, I learned from that. I want to be humble. I want to be teachable. I want to be whatever it might be. Lies, gossip, joking, bragging, flattery, slash manipulation. And I'm taking this one from Seinfeld now. Um, But a mark of folly in our words is the fast talker. I don't know if you ever saw that episode. It was either a fast talker or he's a quick talker. It's the person, it's not the person who says things really, really quickly. Read the Proverbs 29, verse 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Or Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. The quick talker is, I just, the first thought that comes into my head, you're going to know it. Rather than filtering and be like, you know, I'm not sure if I should say that. I'm not sure if this is the right time to say that. Just because it popped in your head and heart doesn't mean you got to pop it on someone else. The quick talker is a sign of folly. Anytime that someone, you're sharing a hurt or pain or whatever it might be, and they just jump on you with, well, let me give you this advice and this counsel, I would... Be very careful in listening to that. There might be some good in it. I'm not saying there can't be. But good counsel usually comes from time of sitting with that person, seeking to understand that person. Guys are horrific at this. We're quick talkers. Why? Because we want to fix things. We want to fix people. You got a problem? Say it. It will be fixed in five seconds flat. And the attitude is, well, why didn't you think of that? That's why you have so many problems. Again, we don't verbalize it like that, but quick talkers slow down 
in speech. All right, those are six. Lies, gossip, slash uh, rumors, joking, bragging, boasting, flattery, manipulation, and the quick talker. Those are examples. If that's any one, if you're all of them, there's still hope for you because you can grow in wisdom of words. And I want to finish with this. What is, if that's the folly, if that's the foolish, then what is a demonstration? What is a picture of someone who has wisdom as demonstrated in his words? Number one, there's five here, and we'll finish with this. Truthful speech. It might seem pretty obvious, but if you have wisdom, you're speaking truth. It's foreign language to you to tell lies. To the person who's the fool or in folly, their native language is lying. And that's, that's your native language, then you speak your native language. But the person who has wisdom speaks truth at all times, in all places, to all people. Not just when it's convenient. Whether it's a hard, whatever the situation might be. Proverbs 16 says this, Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. There is so much value and in character if you and I would just be people who speak truth. Meaning what you say is helpful. It's beneficial. So the first one, truthful speech. And I like this. I think I've already read this proverb, but it's a good one. Read it again. Proverbs 12, 19. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue, it lasts only a moment. If you lie, it's here today, gone tomorrow, but truth, it just resonates. I can't tell you how many times people have spoken truth to me, about me, over me, and I remember that, encouraged, blessed by that. So number one is truthful speech. Second sign of wisdom with your words is that it's actually beneficial. When you speak, it actually helps. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous nourish many. But fools die for lack of judgment. What a great verse. The lips of the righteous nourish many. Proverbs 10, 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. But violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. It's this picture. If you have wisdom, your words will benefit those that are listening. It's a great question is what I'm about to say, is it going to benefit you? And if it doesn't, then don't say it. If it's not going to bless or encourage or challenge or love or serve, just don't say it. Truthful speech, beneficial speech. Number three is controlled speech. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. I know when to say it. I know how to say it. I know the time of when to say it. The fool just blurts it out, but the wise person has controlled speech. What a great proverb of when words are many, it's a great chance that sin's going to be lurking right there. Proverbs 17, 27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding, he's even-tempered. Truthful speech, beneficial speech, controlled speech. Number four, two more. 
Number four, it's similar to the controlled speech, controlled words, but number four is timely speech. Got um, uh, a text actually from someone uh, earlier uh, in the week, and uh, I was just struggling. I was down about a few different things, and uh, sent me a text message, and uh, it was the most timely word. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. You've been, whatever the issue is, whatever you're struggling with, you're just down. It's just one of those days and someone shoots you a text or an email or leaves you a voicemail or just calls with that timely word of, hey, I was just thinking about you and just really blessed to, to know you, whatever it might be. I got one of those this week. And so when I came across this proverb, uh, Proverbs 15, 23, a man finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word, and it's good. Sometimes when you get that, when you feel like God is impressing or laying someone on your heart, that might be God saying, I want you to use your words to bless them, to encourage them. It's just not this random thought of, I don't know why I'm thinking about that guy, I don't know why I'm thinking about this girl. If that happens to you, like happened to my friend earlier in this week, for whatever reason, he started just... Michael Davis came to his heart and mind, and so he followed it up with a very timely text message. I went upstairs and told Kyle, I was like, gosh, you're not good. She knew I was hurting a little bit, and this is amazing. I mean, it couldn't have been more timely. I want to do that every day. Can you imagine if you could use your words in such a timely way, a timely fashion, just to bless people like crazy? Truthful speech, beneficial speech, controlled speech, timely speech. And number five is gentle. Gentle speech. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, it just stirs up anger. Proverbs 16.24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I've gotten myself in trouble so many times that my speech was anything and everything but gentle. And I used to say, you know what? Well, that's, you're a passionate guy. That's just your passion. If someone gets hurt, well, hey, that's just passion rolling over them. That's not what proverb actually teaches. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word, that's not a passionate word. There's anger there. So what can easily be confused as passion of heart, there might be actually something else going on. So if you have words flying out of your mouth and you notice that it's just hurting people left and right, a wise person knows how to use his words in a gentle way. Last Proverbs 25, 17. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Isn't that a cool proverb? Proverbs 25, 17. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. We often use our words and we think we have to be really convincing, really passionate, really aggressive in order to make our case. The wise one, the one who has wisdom, can use his words in a gentle way And what you think is so hard to break through, a gentle answer will do that. 
One last question I'll ask. We've got the picture of foolish man and his words and the wise man and his words. I hope that if you're here today, you would say, you know what? I don't want to be the fool. I don't want to be, my speech is just marked by folly. Whether it's lying, whether it's the gossip and rumors, whether it's the bragging and the boasting. I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that woman anymore. I actually want to be the one who's truthful, beneficial, controlled, timely, and gentle. How can you be that guy? How can you be that woman? Ask God for help. This is a God thing, not just your man thing. I can't change my heart on my own. If I've got issues with words, I've got issues with my heart. And I like how uh, the author of Proverbs here said it in Proverbs 37 and 8. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. If you were going to ask God for two things, wouldn't one of them be lying? God, help me not to lie. I don't want to be that one surrounded by lies and the source of lies. If you want to grow in wisdom of words, ask God for help. Before you leave here today, God, do a work in my heart that my heart would begin to reflect not lies and, and gossip and that, but truthful speech, beneficial speech. Number two, ask God for help. Number two, get God's word in you so that God's word can get out of you. This is a psalm, but it's a great psalm. Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've got God's word so much in me that when it's time to say something, it's actually God's word coming out of me. It is such a phenomenal thing when you're in whatever the situation might be, and rather than your words coming out, you know what comes to mind? A scripture verse. That's not going to accidentally happen. Okay? You can't just sleep with your Bible next to your bed and then wake up the next morning and there was some transference of some spiritual thing happened where your Bible just jumped into your head. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ask God for help. Get God's word in you so you can get it out of you. And then the last one, you have to guard the gate of your mouth. Proverbs 21, 23. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Proverbs 13. He who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly, come to ruin. You have to put a filter, your hand, something over your mouth. You have to train and discipline yourself just because you think it doesn't mean you should speak it. Ask God for help, get God's word in you, and then fight like crazy to guard the gate of your mouth. Psalm 141, a great last verse. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What a great poetic picture. This is a door right here. And it only opens up if it's going to be good, if it's going to be truthful, if it's going to be beneficial. Anything else, doors closed. God, would you set a, a gate in front of my lips that the door only opens? Here's my 
gate. Here's my, how I filter things. Will this glorify God? Will this benefit the one listening? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it timely? You might think that's a lot of questions to ask yourself before you speak, but I've had to start doing this because sometimes my speech was way ahead of where the gate was. It snuck out. Very simple. Before you speak, just ask yourself in your heart and mind, God, is this actually going to be glorifying to you? And if it's not, don't say it. Is this going to benefit the one that's actually listening to me right now? If it's not, don't say it. Ask yourself the question, is it true? If it's not, don't let lies come out of your mouth. But if I say it, I'll get the laugh. If I say it, people will be impressed. If I say it, if it's a lie, don't say it. Is it necessary? This is an important question. Do they really need to hear this right now? Like they're crying right now in front of me. They're just wounded. They're really tired, battered, beaten up. Is it really necessary that I just have verbal vomit all over them right now? Because they might not need your verbal vomit. They just might. Can you just sit with me? Jeremy talked about this uh, a couple, a month or so ago when he talked about friendship, the picture of Job. When his life just got turned, flipped upside down, his friends just sat with him for seven days, actually 10 days. They just sat, no words exchanged. And what's unfortunate about that story, as soon as they opened up their mouth, it wasn't great, but they at least started well. They just sat. Is it glorifying to God? Will this benefit the one listening? Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it timely? I would hope for you and my desire and commitment for myself is that I am growing daily in speech. Not speech that's impressive to anyone, but speech that's glorifying to God, beneficial to the one that's listening, that would be timely, that would be helpful. And I hope as you would leave here today, you would say, I don't want to be the fool anymore in my speech. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that woman. I want to be one whose speech is marked by wisdom, is marked by truth. I'm going to just give us some time before we enter back into worship and uh, celebrate communion. I trust Every time we open up scripture here, God's saying something to you. And if you've been playing the part of a fool for way too long, would you just go to God right now and say, God, would you put a guard over my heart, over my mouth? God, would you help me with my words and my speech? Because if you don't, you're going to hurt a lot of people. If you don't get control of your tongue, of your words, and it starts with the heart, you will be a man or a woman who will bring great destruction to many a people because you chose the path of folly when it came to words, not the path of wisdom. So Father God, I just give thanks for an opportunity like this just to gather. God, I give thanks that um, you're big enough to not just know every single person that's in this place today, but God, you are big enough to know where every single person is as it relates to you. God, I confess that I have not done a good job glorifying you with my words. God, I confess that my words have been hurtful to many. 
God, I pray that you would continue to grow in me. And if there's anyone else, God, that that resonates with, that that's their story as well. God, I pray that you would plant deep within myself and deep within each one of us. Pure hearts, right hearts, hearts just marked by wisdom so that our words giving voice to what's in our heart would be marked by wisdom. God, I do pray if there's anyone here today that has been hurt by someone else's words, whether it was from when they were a little kid and a parent said something absolutely just painful. God, if there's someone here that has been carrying around a burden, they've been the brunt of someone's joke, they've been at the wrong end of someone's gossip or rumor or lie, God, I just pray that your word would speak to them and there would be absolute healing of heart and soul. God, that you would bring refreshment.